Welcome to Deep North. My name is Eric Pomeranke, and we are here today in the studio with Iceland Review editor Greta Sigurdur Einarsdóttir. This April, sheep at Bergstader Farm in northwest Iceland were diagnosed with the fatal degenerative disease known as scrapie. In accordance with regulations, the 700-some sheep were culled to prevent the spread of the disease to neighboring farms. We are revisiting Greta's 2022 article, Good Breeding, to find out what's being done to fight this deadly disease. A sheep farmer's worst nightmare is if one of his sheep starts to scratch more than usual. If their sheep start to show nerves, tremble, or grind their teeth, they should really be worried. An unstable walk or sheep that spent most of the time lying down might be showing symptoms of scrapie, the ovine version of mad cow disease. Scrapie isn't spread by bacteria or virus. It's thought to be caused by a prion protein. The result is a fatal degenerative disease that affects the infected animal's nervous system. While bacteria and viruses are hard to deal with, prion proteins are in a leak of their own, nearly impossible to get rid of. They can withstand an eight-hour boil, and only the strongest chemicals will clear them. For sheep, an infection is a death sentence, effectively turning their brains into mush. There is no cure. Do you know what happens if a farmer's sheep tests positive for scrapie? The entire herd is culled as soon as possible, sometimes even sheep from surrounding farms as well. All sheep that have stayed at the infected farm will also be culled. The farmer won't be permitted to have sheep on the farm for a certain period of time and must destroy all their hay. For the next 10 years, every visitor to the barns will have to be notified of the danger of infection. The local veterinarian decides what needs to be disposed of and what can be sanitized. And we're not talking only about equipment, but whole barns. The barns and everything in them must be disinfected with strong chemicals or fire, and everything must be repainted. Finally, the soil around the barns is exchanged for new material and the area is paved. The government pays some damages, but it's not likely that they will cover the financial loss, let alone the emotional damage of having your life's work methodically wiped out. When Karolina Elisabetterdóttir visited Iceland for the first time, she fell in love with the country, its nature and the animals, horses and sheep. It was a coincidence that led her, some years later, to buy some land and start a farm. Located halfway up a mountain pass in North Iceland, her estate is large, but mostly consists of a mountain and a river. It hadn't been farmed for over a century, so there are no cultivated fields. When asked if she ever gets lonely on her mountaintop, Carolina simply replies, I'm not alone, I'm just the only person. Her four horses, two dogs and herd of sheep keep her company. They also provide her livelihood. She raises her sheep for their wool and provides the opportunity for people to foster sheep. In exchange for their patronage, they receive a fleece of wool each spring, when Carolina ships wool in all the colors of a sheep's rainbow to her customers. Since she isn't worried about meat production, she has the freedom to breed tall and lean sheep, which make them better equipped to navigate her mountainous land. And while many wool farmers prefer white sheep, 
She looks for interesting colors. It takes years to breed a herd to a farmer's specific liking. One unfortunate contact with an infection could bring her back to square one. Carolina's farm is in a designated scrapey region. This means that farms in the area regularly encounter outbreaks of the disease. In fact, this is the region where scrapey was first detected. In the late 19th century, an English ram was imported to Iceland via Denmark. It was a beautiful ram with many desirable qualities that farmers were excited to introduce to their own herds. But they got more than they bargained for. Scrapey. Importing live sheep was banned in Iceland in 1882. Occasionally, over the following century, exemptions were made. In all but one of those cases, new diseases were introduced to Icelandic sheep. The last attempt was made in 1945, but the sheep were culled when found to suffer from foot rot. Now there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Breeding. At the turn of the millennium, studies found that some sheep are naturally resistant to scrapie. They can't catch it. The reason is embedded in their DNA. A susceptibility for scrapie is determined by genes. A simple test reveals the polymorphism of three codons 136, 154, and 171, which determine scrapie susceptibility. Each codon is assigned a letter. VRQ makes sheep very susceptible to scrapie, while ARR protects them from catching the disease or passing it on. For the past two decades, farmers in mainland Europe have bred their herds to contain ARR genotypes, preventing scrapie from taking hold. Once this information was available, veterinary scientists at Iceland's Institute for Experimental Pathology at Keldur, including Stefania Thorgeirsdóttir, launched a study assessing the genes of Icelandic sheep, the only breed in the country. The results were disheartening. No ARR sheep were to be found, meaning no ARR protection could be bred into Icelandic herds. Options to fight scrapie in Iceland would continue to be limited. Either import ARR sheep from other countries and risk introducing new diseases to the isolated island breed, or a zero-tolerance approach to scrapie cases. Until now, the scorched-earth approach has won out. Olavur Magnusson is a farmer at Sveinstadir in North Iceland, a 40-minute drive from Karolina's mountain. He's a born and bred farmer, the sixth generation of his family living in Sveinstadir, along with his wife Inka Sole Jónsdóttir. His ancestral home was built in 1929 and his herd of sheep are the direct descendants of sheep brought there in the 1940s. Until he lets them out to pasture in spring, they reside in a bright and airy barn recently tripled in size. In contrast to Carolina sheep, the group mostly consists of white sheep and almost every one of them has horns. Every farmer has his own quirks like that, Olaver tells me. I think the horned sheep are the prettiest, but others prefer the look of pulled sheep. Sveinstadir has never had a case of scrapie. Nor have the surrounding farms, 
despite the disease being endemic in the region. In the next valley over, however, Olaver knew a farmer facing the constant threat of the disease as it popped up on farms all around them. If it didn't happen this autumn, he tells me, they had to be prepared for it to rear its head next year, or the year after that. You can't really focus on developing your breeding program or your farm with this hanging over you. About a year ago, Olaver got a message from Carolina. Despite the relatively short distance between their farms, he didn't know her personally. But Carolina had been reading up on Scrapey. She knew what a Scrapey infection would mean, and she wasn't too keen on having that happen on her own farm, where her herd of sheep was so entwined to her life that they would come when she calls them. And if it wasn't evident from the life she had carved out for herself on her mountain, if Carolina set her mind to something, things got done. I thought there must be another way, Carolina told me. She read up on the research Stefania had done in Kelter. In fact, she had read everything she could find on the subject. I know some veterinarians and sheep farmers in Germany and other countries, and that was the reason I started looking into the genotypes. Through her contacts, she got in touch with Christine Fast in Greifswald, Germany. They talked about the attempts to find the ARR genotype in Iceland. While no such sheep had been found in the first study, the word among farmers was that there might be something there. There was no research to support it, but some farms seemed to be shielded from scrapey cases, even though the disease was popping up all around them. Then, Christina told me that there might be something else. There was some evidence suggesting that they could look beyond the three codons usually studied to determine scrapey susceptibility and look for different decomposed genotypes that might prove scrapey resistant. It was a spot of luck, really, that at the same time I found a report on research conducted in Italy. Three studies that were carried out 15 years ago, Carolina says. They found that a specific genotype that they called T137 seemed to be as resistant to scrapey as ARR. This sparked something in Carolina's brain. I had read in Stefania's report from the scrapey study conducted in Iceland two decades ago that T137 had been found in Icelandic sheep. If they could find more of these sheep, there might be some hope. But that study had been made 20 years ago. Since then, several cases of scrapey had been discovered and several whole herds culled. Since 1996, 61 cases of scrapey had been detected on 58 farms in Iceland. Carolina now had a ray of hope, as well as a scientist in Germany, Dr. Gesine Lüken, who was interested in participating in the research project. She wasn't only talking to scientists in Germany, but also discussing her ideas with farmers and veterinary authorities in Iceland. One such conversation got more balls rolling. Eithor Einarsson, with the Icelandic Agricultural Advisory Center, is a sheep breeding consultant. He was very interested when he heard from Carolina. The recent wave of scrapey cases had people concerned, and they were already wondering if there was a chance that breeding programs could work against the disease. Along with the researchers in Kelter, 
Aethor was already planning a Hail Mary to launch a last resort search for the ARR genotype, or even seek out the genotype in Greenlandic sheep, the closest foreign breed. The research team included the scientist who had performed the original study in 1999, Stefania Thorgerstotir. When Carolina got a grant to start a research project, it only made sense to pool their resources with Icelandic scrapie experts and see what they could find. We tested 2,500 sheep and Gesine sequenced them all in her laboratory. We were going to see what happened, if we would find T137 or even if we could find ARR. The sheep weren't chosen at random. They sought out farms in scrapie regions that had remained untouched by the disease. I got a call from Carolina last spring, Oliver tells me, asking me to take samples from some sheep in my herd. His herd counts around 770 sheep. I wasn't really sure how to choose which sheep to test, but I tried to cover a range of family lines, Oliver tells me. He took 20 samples, which were then taken to Reykjavik and sent to Germany to be tested. Even though T137 had been found in Stefania's earlier research, Gesine's sequencing soon proved that it was rare in Iceland. From the first sample batches, no T137 cases were found. But back in Sveinstadir, Olaver discovered that a couple of samples had been left behind, never making it to Germany. They got shipped with the next batch. One of the samples was from a ewe called True, which translates as faith. They'd hit a jackpot. True carried the T137 genotype. A matriarch of a long line of use, further testing at the farm, produced five more sheep. Tignarleg, Triklind, Trik, Tombola and Tara all carried the promising genotype. This year, lambing season starts around Easter, and the six sheep at Sveinstadir farm are expecting a total of 16 lambs, which will hopefully be the start of something even bigger. We're ecstatic, Oliver tells me. Farmers have been waiting for good news like this for the longest time, Inka adds with a smile. We're simply so grateful for this woman. The T137 genotype still presents some issues. While the ARR genotype is internationally recognized as scrapie-resistant, much less research has been done on T137. And although six sheep were found in Svinstadir, all of them are ewes, so fingers are crossed that some of the 16 lambs this spring will be rams, ready to spread their seed across the country for a good cause. But the study wasn't over. It still had one lucky coincidence up its sleeve. When 4,200 samples had been processed over 10 months, it was time for sheep from Thertunes Farm in Reyðarfjörður, East Iceland. Nine sheep carrying the prized ARR genotype were discovered. This time most of the nine were polled, in stark contrast to Olaver's six horned sheep. There are more than around 400,000 sheep in Iceland. So far, a couple of dozen of them have been found to carry genotypes resistant to scrapie. Finding the sheep is not a solution in and of itself, but it's only the first step in a massive breeding project in the years to come. 
Eyþór Einarsson, the sheep breeding consultant with the Agricultural Advisory Center, tells me that the task ahead is daunting. To start with, they've only found one ram with a resistant genotype so far. Furthermore, that ram lives in a region where scrapie has been detected, and there are strict regulations in place limiting breeding options for such sheep. Still, the study is far from over. Farmers across the country were invited to submit samples from their own sheep, and over 500 farmers have already participated. Breeding sheep is a complicated process, and care must be taken to prevent inbreeding. But now that there is a solution in sight, the team wants to get started as soon as possible, especially following a recent surge in scrapie cases. We want to do this as fast as we can, preferably without lowering our standards for inbreeding and without losing diversity in the breed. We haven't faced a challenge like this before, but farmers are hopeful and together we'll get this done. Well, thank you for that, Greta. You're welcome. So a scrapie outbreak involves, uh, according to regulations, uh, culling the entire herd. And mm -hmm. obviously this can have tremendous consequences, you know, not just for the farm in question, but potentially entire communities. Um, I'm wondering actually uh, whether there's any kind of like government support for affected farms, because, you know, I mean, potentially this can kill an entire community. I mean, they do pay damages for uh, for the sheep that are called and for the buildings that need to be torn down or, or replaced. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that uh, if you're living in a scrapey region, you never know which uh, season you might start to see your sheep tremble or, or grind their teeth. So it's always, I mean, and it's a, it's a low-income industry anyway, so any investment in your own farm is a much bigger risk if every uh, every slaughter season you could expect your entire uh, herd to be culled. Farmers breed their herds according to their own specific liking. They they uh, have specific qualities they're looking for in sheep. Some breed for colors, other breeds for, for horns or, or no horns. Um, and um, just the idea for a farmer who's maybe been working on a farm for his whole life, for all of his sheep to be gone, um, it doesn't really uh, encourage you to, you know, invest a lot of money in your equipment or your buildings. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can all just kind of be gone tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. And that's why uh, the recent news uh, from Midfjörður, where scrapie was detected in a farm in a region where scrapie had never been found before, was, was so devastating for the community there. Because now they have been introduced to this constant looming dread that their sheep might be next. So what does it kind of mean at an administrative level for a region to be designated a scrapey region? Like, are there kind of special protections and regulations in place? Or is it just to say that it's a region known for more scrapey cases than average? Uh, yeah, there are some uh, regulations as well. Um, there are some limits on sheep transportation. There are some limits on uh, uh, if the sheep can be used for breeding. Mm. 
Um, and uh, so I assume sheep from a region that's known for scrapie, uh, it it's either harder or not allowed to kind of move them out of that region, or is that correct? Yes, they can be moved from that uh, region. Because yeah. there's also because it's such a scorched earth uh, way of get uh, making sure scrapie doesn't spread further. I mean. They not only kill all the sheep on that farm, but every sheep that has, you know, interacted with them, spent any longer than a couple of hours in their uh, uh, immediate vicinity. Yeah, actually, a very good depiction of this uh, that some might be familiar with um, is in the Icelandic movie, I believe it's from the early 2010s, uh, Hrútar, right. uh, Rams, uh, which, you know, it's a very Icelandic movie. It's about two uh, kind of embittered, elderly brothers who have kind of neighboring farms and have this longstanding um, kind of sibling rivalry or feud, and they just don't really talk to each other anymore. Um, and one of the things that this movie portrays is uh, like a farm being uh, cold from scrapie. Um, right. And, you know, I mean, it is like, like a really um, powerful event i mean for lack of a better word i mean like there's really this kind of like i don't know almost like biblical aspect to it i mean mm -hmm. like all of the sheep are taken away like basically everything is burned or chemically cleaned i mean like it's really kind of like the end of the world for a farmer yeah it's just you have to if you are going to start again you have to start from scratch with nothing yeah uh and just it's not just your workplace it's also your home and for many farmers it's also their parents home or their grandparents so it's more than just you know something bad happening at work it's their whole life that's affected so this is actually my ignorance but um so scrapie is a prion mm -hmm. and so that means that it's neither a virus nor bacteria correct uh, but it so, so, so a prion is basically like a protein that has the wrong shape. And there's something about the way in which this protein kind of binds with other proteins that kind of spreads this shape that's in, and like, and this shape is kind of folded wrong or something. And it basically kind of unravels like other protein strands. Um, I'm kind of wondering if, so is scrapie always transmitted from sheep to sheep or does it also just kind of randomly occur like through mutations? I mean, can you have a farm that is completely protected and has been kind of totally isolated um, and has followed all the regulations, but scrapie still just kind of pops up uh, through some random mutation or just something like that? Uh, I don't know about the science if the if a random mutation can cause it. I believe since it had to be, uh, it had never existed in Iceland until that English ram was introduced to the herd. So I don't believe like there's something like a spontaneous introduction of scrapie. But the thing is, because the protein, because it's a prion protein and not a not a virus or a bacteria, it's so hard to get rid of, yeah. and it can be in you know in the mud. Uh, on someone's boots or, you know, uh, water where sheep have drunk. Um, and, yeah, it can withstand an eight-hour boil, only the strongest of chemicals, or uh, it's actually interesting in the, in the legislation concerning culling of sheep after scrapie cases, 
yeah, they they use the term only the strongest of chemicals or fire can. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, there's a very kind of uh, fire and brimstone kind of <laughs> yeah almost biblical. Yeah, they need to repave everything around the outhouses uh, and repaint every surface if the if the veterinarian allows the farmer to keep the buildings, which again is their prerogative to say. So. So there has been this recent outbreak in northwest Iceland on Berkstadir farm, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, and 700 sheep were culled, uh, something like that. And I guess, uh, has anything new happened in the meantime with uh, some of these uh, breeding initiatives? I mean, like, like, have we made progress towards this? I mean, I think that uh, this most recent case maybe kind of has people wondering, you know, what, what, what's been done in the meantime? Like, has anything like really happened or are we kind of in the same place uh, where we were? Well, since they discovered uh, the ARR genotypes and the T137s, uh, there's only been one lambing season. Yeah. Uh, so there are some um, new lambs and several rams, um, but that's not enough time to introduce the genotype to uh, every uh, breed and every herd in the country. It's a, it's 10 years at the minimum before you can say that the entire um, entire Icelandic breed of sheep is resistant to scrapie. But as soon as you start introducing it to different herds, the likelihood of it spreading, of course, decreases. But then there's also the fact that uh, the regulations are very strict. Uh, so it just in order for them to be able to breed sheep from the uh, sheep in Thertenes in Bairedafjörður in East Iceland, they had to, uh, had to do some work on the legislation because they, they were from a scrappy region. So you need to be able to get sheep from that region to breed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's just changes the whole um, way they've been uh, tackling scrapie up until this point. So you need a lot of people working together to make this possible. All the farmers, all the breeders, all the veterinarians, all the uh, politicians as well. So, Yeah, so I mean, I'm also kind of wondering... Um so we're kind of at the beginning of this process mm-hmm. of beginning, uh, yeah, the, this breeding initiative. There are now some rams that have these scrapie resistant genes. Um, you know, is it going to kind of ultimately be up to individual farmers to basically kind of, you know, buy the right rams at auction? And is this going to kind of be something that's, um, yeah, both left up to individual farmers and, you know, also like the market in some sense? Uh, you know, like obviously it is better as a farmer to have a scraper resistant herd. And so you are going to want to maybe invest more in, you know, a scrapey resistant ram uh, when you go to the like regional agricultural auction or something. Um, or like, like, is there, you know, something kind of happening at a higher level that is uh, kind of supporting the farmer's efforts? Yes. So the sheep breeding in Iceland is, uh, um, very systematic. There are breeding stations where you can purchase uh, seed 
from RAMs. You don't have to actually get the whole RAM to visit every farm in the region. But uh, And there's the Agricultural Advisory Center where uh, sheep breeding consultants sort of lay the lines for um, for uh, whole regions and, and uh, the whole country even. But then, of course, it's up to individual farmers to uh, ultimately include it into their own breeding programs. But it's a cooperative system and, and you know, farmers are... Uh, uh, consult with each other regularly and there's a, a sort of consensus on how these things go. Although I will not, uh, I am no expert on the specifics of sheep breeding. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, this isn't maybe a question as such, but I mean, so, so, something that kind of struck me as interesting, um, you know, it's very striking that, uh, you know, as we said, historically, uh, every case but one of importing foreign sheep into Iceland mm. introduced new diseases. So you, you know, wonder why they didn't stop sooner. <laughs> yeah, and so you know clearly this is something to actually be concerned about. Mm. It's not just some sort of I don't know. Uh, That's na- why like we're- nativist attitude towards sheep breeding or something. But you know it's like at the same time I think it's actually really interesting how a lot of these efforts are you know also being spearheaded. Uh, you know, not just by foreign scientists in, you know, on continental Europe, uh, in, in Germany and so, and so on. But, you know, I mean, it's also kind of symbolically interesting that, you know, I mean, Carolina, for instance, uh, this farmer you're talking to, um, you know, uh, is from Germany. Uh, so like, like, like there's something kind of interesting there, right. Where like in a lot of ways, uh, like the foreign imports have been really damaging for Icelandic sheep stock, but all, the, the, this is also where the solution is coming from. Yeah, I mean, uh, by necessity, uh, sheep farming science is a very local, yeah, <laughs> local <laughs> one. Um, yeah, uh, there was already some research underway at Keltur and at uh, other uh, agricultural research institutions in the country, but it seems like Karilanda just had the fire to get stuff going, and she just made things happen, called people, and and got some stuff moving. Um, sometimes you just need that spark and uh, it's easy to sort of fall into a rut in your, on your own. Although I'm not saying that Icelandic scientists were in a rut in no way, but um, I mean, you always it's always good to have some something to jolt you forward. I mean, the reason why farmers were import, trying to import sheep was that they were trying to improve the breed. Yeah, yeah. But that's also why it was such a last resort that the breeding consultants were even considering bringing in Greenlandic sheep, which are the closest foreign breed, because just sheep diseases, as we've seen so many times before, can have such a devastating effect on an isolated island breed, such as the Icelandic sheep. Yes. It's also the reason why you can't import any horses to Iceland, and that's, that's been in effect since the 13th century. Yeah, that's a very kind of well-known fun fact, I think. Uh, you know, it's uh, once an Icelandic horse leaves Iceland, it's not allowed to return home. Can never go back. Which, you know, it's kind of sad uh, mm-hmm. if you have a nice horse and want to take it to competitions abroad. Yeah, you have to have to leave it there. Um, but that's also where there is such a, a robust community of Icelandic horses in uh, Europe and other, other countries, other places. Well... Uh, thank you for talking today, Greta. Thank you. 
Deep North is the official podcast of Iceland Review, the oldest continuously running English language publication on Iceland, covering community, nature, and culture. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing to Iceland Review at our website.